0: Hello, I'm Chris Hudson and welcome to FIS's Freight and Commodity podcast on Wednesday the 16th of February. In a moment that might be seen in the future as the 21st century version of the Cuban Missile Crisis, news sites have been reporting that Russian President Putin is ready for talks on security after an apparent start to Russian de-escalation as troops move away from the border and back to bases. This situation has caused significant volatility in markets and nervousness in the halls of European political centres. Is this the end of the saga? That is doubtful, but a cooling of tension does seem on the cards in the short term at least. This week on the podcast, we explore the worlds of oil and products, battery metals, and dry freight, all of which are experiencing significant volatility and all play a key part in the world economy and energy supply. The future of the world will rely heavily on these markets, and depending on your perspective and their effective use, they will help. Achieve an environmental utopia or something resembling more Dante's Inferno. But let's look at what's been happening in our main market indexes week on week. This is Tuesday, the 8th of February, versus yesterday, Tuesday, the 15th of February. And across the dry freight, uh, we've seen an increase across the board. Cape size ending it's over 14,000, Panamax's 40C 20,000, 265, Supermax 10TC 25,000, just above there, uh, having increased significantly across the board there. Iron, on the other hand, has seen a drop. One four nine ninety five it was now one thirty six twenty. Significant movement down there on things, uh, and that's also seen uh, a similar situation that we've seen in steel. If you're looking at Northwest European steel, there nine thirty two fifty was last week. Nine oh six now. Uh, on the oils, of course, moving up ninety forty four ninety two ninety now, uh, and that has had an impact across the board on the products. You're looking at Sing point five percent, the most traded 05 percent futures contract. There was six sixty four, now six eighty seven twenty on the front month future uh, on the close of the FIS report. If you look into that, and interestingly on the EUAs, that's compulsory European carbon markets, was ninety six euros ninety three uh, closing yesterday ninety one fourteen, quite a movement down there as well. With all the issues on the Ukraine Russia border, a commodity that has responded strongly has been the oil complex. To discuss what's been going on, I had Eric Hoffman from Engine in to discuss what's been going on in this key market. Uh, So, Eric, so as we hit that, well, get close to that hundred dollar mark. What factors have we seen that have driven the price so high?
1: Well, I so so thanks for for having me on. uh, Chris, uh, I think there are two main factors that have been driving the the price rally um, lately. I, if you begin with uh, the first being geopolitical tensions and you know the looming fears of potential supply disruptions with the Ukraine crisis being the most prominent. And then you also got more regular missile strikes on the United Arab Emirates uh, as the second tension. Uh, but this second tension has is, is led to more temperate, uh, you know, not more, more temporary price spikes rather than a sustained uh, trajectory upwards, like uh, the Ukraine crisis has, has been um, pushing recently. And I think the second factor is, you know, the global uh, oil supply squeeze. Um, oil demand is recovering from the COVID-19 trough uh, in major oil-consuming nations, and, uh, you know, supply is yet to follow. Um, several OPEC Plus members have uh, fallen short of their monthly output targets and then failed to plug this uh, supply gap. Uh, and I think these two supply side factors are really the the main drivers of rent now.
0: And in terms of moving forward, we obviously have all the diplomacy going on uh, in Eastern Europe at the moment. But uh, what are those factors that you foresee in the near term which are going to be affecting price movement? Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I, I think there's there's bound to be more volatility coming up. Uh, if you know Russia you, decides to invade Ukraine, we'll see all kinds of ramifications uh, from triggered sanctions on Russia, and not just on Russian gas exports to Europe, which has been the main headline-grabbing potential fallout from the crisis. Um, but if we consider fuel oil and the bunker market. Uh, as, as one of the the potential uh, spillovers. Um, Russian fuel makes up about 40% of imports into the area, uh, which is Europe's main hub for fuel storage and bunker supply and transshipment of uh, fuel to regional and, and more further away ports. Um, sanctions on Russia would be devastating to fuel supply in Europe and other regional regions depending on these uh, cargo flows. Um, and it would propel bunker prices higher in ports dependent on these uh, Russian supply uh, supplies um, uh, within the event of, of sanctions on Russian exports and then simultaneously the the resultant Brent price spike will also support bunker prices in global ports um in recent weeks we've seen market sentiment kind of rule over supply demand fundamentals so if if the Ukraine crisis escalates we could very quickly see that the price of not if the Ukraine crisis de escalates, we can very quickly see the price of Brent crude um, retreat from those recent highs that we've seen. Um, and we saw a taste of this yesterday when, when Brent was trading above $96 per barrel in the morning and then shed about $4 uh, per barrel after Russia announced it had pulled back some troops from the Ukrainian border. So, so, um, uh, I think the, to sum it up like I think the the Ukraine crisis is is definitely gonna um, uh, increase uh, keep keep volatility quite quite rampant uh, going forward.
0: and then to stick with the fuel or the bunker market uh, as something which obviously impacts a lot of the uh, the shipping world and subsequent industries as well um, what have we seen in terms of, of pricing and trends because things are pretty expensive already on on the bunker side, let alone with all the things that are going on.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I think you know the we've, we've seen uh, bunker prices uh, uh, been you know reach uh, multi multi year highs in, in the past week, um, and and bunker prices are hugely reactive to swings in underlying Brent values uh, in in the main bunkering hubs. Um, we monitor these day on day and intraday uh, price changes in on engine, and and you know with the recent volatility, it's it's not uncommon to see. $20 to $30 per barrel price jumps and drops between days. Um, you know, the general trend for bunker prices has been upwards with Brent, um, but at these, as these prices move more, you know, sporadically up and down uh, during the bunker planning process, uh, the main question often asked by buyers is, you know, when when should I fix the stem? Um, and by and large, you know, the, the sort of mantra of What goes up must come down kind of rings true, but it's, it's near impossible to predict exactly when Brent and, you know, subsequently bunker prices will move down again. Um, and so you can look at the, you know, the medium and long-term supply demand, uh, and pricing forecast by, you know, energy industry bodies like the international energy agency or banks like JP Morgan. JP Morgan came out with a, a new prediction this week of Brent hitting $125 per barrel in the second quarter this year, um, and you know, the bank said that production shortfalls from OPEC Plus members uh, is going to contribute to, to keep the market tight. But even if that turns out to be the, the midterm trend, what, doesn't, what that doesn't answer is the question of when buyers should lock in bunker stems. So if you if you start the bunker planning process uh, well ahead, say three four weeks ahead, and um, prices are trending upwards, that might lead you to hold off buying in expectations of lower prices uh, if you wait a week or two. Um, but if but you know with uh, fuel availability for for prompt delivery dates consistently tight across major uh, bunker hubs like uh, Singapore, Fujairah, and other ports like. Uh, all across the Americas, um, how long can you really dare to hold off for? Uh, and, and what's the guarantee that the bunker prices won't keep on rising? You know, the last thing you want to find, last uh, thing you want to find uh, yourself in is a is a bind where um, delivery slots are fully booked uh, in the in the port you're planning to buy bunker in, and if you really uh, need the fuel delivered in that port at a given time. Um, You'll, you'll often incur prompt price premiums and perhaps more pricey fuel than you would have uh, found if you would booked with the longer lead time. Um, so it might be the case that the fuel is simply not available at all. Uh, and then you have to find an alternative and often high priced uh, port to instead. So I'd say that rather than, you know, pulling out the crystal ball and, and, and predicting where Brent is heading in these extremely volatile times, um, Bunker, uh, you know planning bunker purchases well ahead and making sure that you can actually get the quantities of the fuel grades that you want uh, at a more predictable price uh you know can often save a headache and you know often often sometimes some so we can over time um uh when when the supply situation changes
0: and engine uh, has a great expertise obviously in this these physical ports this physical operation of what's happening. And is there anything that we're seeing at the moment in any specific ports or trends or issues or problems um, for the kind of near term uh, of any of those areas? Yeah, I think I think
1: just in in general, you know, we're seeing, you know, prices again, rallying to multi highs in the past week, uh, geopolitical tensions, ushering in a whole lot of volatility, Um, bunker supplies often giving shorter validities on the prices they offer. So it can matter, you know, it could be a matter of minutes before the the offer no longer stands, and they have to reoffer. So I think quick decision making can often also be helpful uh, in avoiding higher prices. But then, if you another thing is that if you look at smaller bunker ports like uh, in in Europe, in around the Mediterranean, you got uh, Lisbon, Sirac in Italy, and limenes in in Greece. Um, they can often have more attractive pricing compared to the regions, uh, uh, and and the regions more usual bunker uh, spots like, here yeah, Gibraltar, and Malta, and I think that's partly because you know you got uh, supplies in these ports can be less responsive to immediate Brent price swings, uh, and and they might hold their prices for longer. So if if Brent surges to higher levels in a relatively short Time span, it's always worth keeping a a look at more competitive price in these niche bunker locations.
0: Another commodity that has seen a strong movement up in prices are battery metals, especially cobalt and lithium. Joyce saying our battery metals broker gave us the lowdown of what's been happening.
2: All right, thanks Chris. So uh, yesterday marked the final day of the Lunar New Year holiday period, um, which usually lasts for a About 15 days um, from the New Year Eve to the London Festival. So, the performances of battery metals during the holiday period are definitely eye catching. Lithium hydroxide prices went up 28% during the Lunar New Year period, whereas lithium carbonate prices went up 26%. Uh, Well, that's definitely. Um, backed up by the super strong fundamentals where uh, supply of the raw materials um, as well as the lithium chemicals are um, not enough to cover the strong demand from the uh, electric vehicles as well as the battery sector. Well, uh, sales of new energy vehicles in China are expected to continue the strong uptrend this year, despite a cut in purchase subsidies uh, from the government and um, the surge in raw material costs. The China Passenger Car Association said yesterday in a press release that January Chinese EV sales were up 132% year-on-year, to 347,000 units. Though the figure was slightly down month a month um, that's mostly due to the uh, Lunar New Year holiday lows and tightened COVID restrictions within China, and the strong sales figure still set up the positive tone for 2022 on the demand side for uh, battery metals. EVs are definitely expected to jump 70% to about uh, 5 million units in sales this year, um, the, the authority uh, further added yesterday. Uh, well, today, um, the uh, battery uh, production in China, um, according to the latest figure, um, totaled about 29.7 gigawatt per hour in January, uh, which is up. year on year, uh, but slightly down uh, 6% year on year. Um, In total, um, all of these figures definitely show a good support um, in the uh, lithium prices, as well as the cobalt price. Um, As for cobalt, uh, the prices increased um, about 1% during the Lunar New Year uh, holiday period, um, on the back of declining Cobalt matter inventory um, globally, as well as the delayed logistics of the raw materials shipped into China, and the healthy demand outlook picture. So, um, lithium prices are um, expected to continue to um, increase, whereas cobalt, um, it is uh, still hard to say, but uh, looking very firm in a short term cobalt uh, on paper is definitely very interesting, uh, regardless of the quiet physical trading during the holiday period. Liquidity on the uh, um, CME's cobalt contract site uh, actually picked up. So um, during the 15 days of the holidays, um, 485 tons, uh, equivalent to 485 lots, uh, have been traded. Um, and that's equivalent to about 35 million US dollars in notional. 360 tons have been created to date in february and interests are gathering around the front month as well as the first half in 2023 uh, with the prior day open interest standing at tons, um, which is uh, uh, equivalent to over 100 million US dollars in notional. Uh, We're definitely very excited to see uh, more cobalt trades to pick up in coming days.
0: And finally, this week, we have to, of course, explore the dry freight markets and hear from podcast stalwart Kerry Deal. So, Kerry, what did our favorite market do the past week?
3: Well, the cakes made a strong comeback last week with fresh inquiries and higher fixtures reported from both basins. All routes posting significant gains, pushing that 5TC average briefly back above 15,000. So finally, some good news for ship owners. Asian participants returned from holiday last week, adding more support to the Cape Rebound. Mining majors, Rio, Tinto, BHP, and Valley were heard to be active fixing iron ore and coal to China. The key iron ore route of West Aussie to China, C5, fixed higher as the week progressed to reach up to $8.60 with early March dates end of last week. And Cape size vessels were also heard taking coal stems from Telet to Qingdao for late Feb arrivals around five dollars. Market sentiment improved with inquiries circulated for Atlantic routes as well, including reported fixtures, fixed basis Rotterdam, re-delivery Scalpocero at twenty-two and a half thousand and on 15th of Feb. Iron ore cargoes out of Brazil improved slightly on the previous week despite decreased shipments to China, um, but that shortfall was made up from other regions with fixtures done to Vietnam in the low 23s for late Feb and early March dates. However, uh, not all good news for ship owners. Global oil prices hit seven-year highs over a Russian attack on Ukraine, and bunker prices also hit highs uh, just this Monday. On paper, the forward curve was lifted last week by the Cape versus Panamax spread buyers, and Feb, March, April, and Q2 contracts all saw sharp gains. Uh, the deferred contract's a little bit more modest, however, the tone this week has changed with fears of a conflict in the Black Sea, depressing rates, and further concerns over Chinese economic health after iron ore took a major tumble opening limit down yesterday in onshore trading. The front-end contract on the Capes took a hit, and on FIS Live this morning, the pain continues with the Cape March contract trading $16,700. That's down a little over 4000 week on week. On the Panamaxes, strong fixture numbers from U.S. Gulf and East Coast South America region supported the bullish trend last week uh, through the end of the week. In the Atlantic, fixtures of U.S. Gulf option East Coast South America with re-delivery Far East for Lake candidates in Mid-Feb were fixing initially 27,000 midweek and then 29,000 by the end of the week. While there were talks of East Coast South America, uh, re-delivery Singapore, Japan, Uh, fixing at $30,000 for late Feb dates and uh, $19,500 for East Coast South America Redelivery Scum jib range. Pacific and Asian markets look promising with IHS market commodities at sea service showing Australian coal shipments increased dramatically by 40.2% week on week to 8.1 million tons, while Indo coal shipments remain stable. However, you know, this uncertain situation in the Black Sea does continue to add some pressure to rates there. Paper, again, less certain this week, much like the Capes. And this morning, the March Panamax 14C trading on FIS Live at 24,400. That's down 1,100 week on week.
0: That's it for this week in the freight and commodity markets. If you want to stay up to date with everything going on, then do sign up to our app, FIS Live, or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Join us again next week for more analysis and insight, and have a great end to your week.